Before I begin the interview with Taylor Armstrong, I wanted to share a powerful quote in the interview. You get as much as you give. When you give that positivity out, you get it back, man. And negativity works the same way. Which leads me to this question. When you lead, are you giving positivity or negativity to those around you? I'm excited to have Taylor on the podcast to share his story on how being a negative person affected his job and the people surrounding him. Join us as Taylor explains the steps needed to modify our perspective and discusses how focusing on the positive changed his leadership style and the results of his performance. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Taylor, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks, man. It's uh, you know, it's, it's it's an honor to be here, just because, man, you know, I listen to these things and I see all the people you talk to. It's just an honor that you'd want to talk to me for a little while about stuff. So, thank you so much for that. Uh, honor is all mine. And Taylor, we have connected on social media, but I feel like just in a short little time, maybe in the last couple of months, we've really connected on Boxer. And um, I just love the things that you bring to the table, one being your positivity, and we're going to talk about that, but then also just your leadership experience. So if you wouldn't mind, will you share with the listeners your educational and leadership journey? Yeah. So actually, my leadership journey started in the military. I was in the military for nine years and ended up being a E6 staff sergeant in the army. And, you know, you kind of learn on the fly there. It's just either sink or swim, man. And if you, if you sink, you get told you're sinking real quick and you get corrected. So, uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a fun experience when you sink. There's always learning to do. And then with that, I also learned a lot about negativity and uh, just learning about people. And, and most people wouldn't believe this about me now, but there was a point in my life where I was an extremely negative person thankfully learned from that and come to where I am now. And so I actually got an education on accident. I was working at joint force headquarters and a friend of mine asked me to volunteer coach. And I was like, sure, why not? So I was volunteer coaching middle school baseball and, and uh, really, really loved it. And I didn't even have a degree at that point. And I was just like, you know, I really enjoy this. I should try to get a degree. So I, I went to like two colleges and finally went to my third one finished my undergrad and I said, I should keep going. Got my graduate and now I'm working on my EDD. But man, it was just one of those things is like, I really love this. This is what I want to do with my life. And so uh, finally, after a while, you know, I put it all together and and made it a full-time thing. Transitioning from military to education, what's the biggest difference? Because when I think of that, I think it's totally polar opposite environments. Oh, it's night and day. It's night and day because, you know, in the military, I can say, do this, and it's just done. It doesn't matter if you like me or don't like me or whatever. It's just do it. And, you know, in our world, it's more like, you know, hey, Ms. Smith, I understand you're struggling with this. Could you please just, you know, and it's more of a, you know, I have to make you feel better about being better. And it's a very, very soft gloves approach. You know, I, I say military is more like an MMA fight, and teaching is more like two kittens rolling around. The, you know, it's just – very soft hands. It's just the way it is, but it, it taught me so much about transitioning and just about people. And, and really, honestly, it, it helped a lot with my journey of becoming more positive and focusing on the right things in life. And it's really helped me to grow. So uh, there's been so much in that for me, you know, I'd say just as much, not more for me than, than the other people I've helped. Most definitely. So let's talk about your leadership journey. Cause you didn't stop at just becoming a teacher I want to know at what point did you realize that you could lead at the educational level and what was the process with that? 
I didn't realize I could lead at the education level until probably, well, probably two years into being a leader. So I was actually at central office oh, wow. being a director. And, you know, and it's the, it's the old saying, people are always like, well, I'm just not a leader or I'm not, you know, that's, that's not what I want or that's not who I'm cut out to be. And really one of the things I see and, and it really uh, hits me with people is that they have the same gifts as everybody else. They just refuse to see them. If we gave ourselves the same grace and the same belief as we do other people, we would be doing all kinds of things. So for me, I didn't see it in myself. And I had a great, great superintendent who took me under his wing. He's now one of our assistant state superintendents. Hmm. His name's Terry Roller, wonderful guy. He really showed me a lot of things, mentored me, still does. But, you know, he showed me just how it doesn't matter where you are. You are a leader, whether you think so or not, whether it's for a class of 15 or a school of 5,000, you're a leader. And size doesn't matter. You're doing the same things. You're just doing it on a bigger scale. So if you can do it on one, you can do it on the other. And it really wasn't until I got into that that I found out that, like, it's the leadership isn't the hard part. The hard part is being the teacher. That's the hard part because then you have to be the specialist. You have to know all these things. Leadership is more about people. It's more about how you treat people and what you do with your people. It's not about being the subject matter expert, you know, being that classroom leader. That's way harder than what we do. What was the turning point where you realize, okay, you know, I've done this for two years and I feel comfortable in my shoes and I am confident that I can be successful in this role. So the turning point for me is there was a, uh, another director from probably one of our best schools in the state. And we were having a conversation at a conference we were at and they were just asking me for ideas and everything. And I, and, and I was, we were talking back and forth and it was just weird to me. It just hit me that like, they asked for my advice. I'm like, man, I'm, you know, I'm at a 4A school, nothing. You're at a 7A school and you've been doing this for 20 years. Why, you know, and they just told me, you know, I like what you're doing. I like to think, and I'm just, it blew me away. I mean, it's still, you know, the other day, Hamish said something to me and I was just like, why is this dude sending me something like it? Why does he care about what I have to say? Those things, like we don't realize the impact of things we do because it's just a fresh look. I tell everybody it's, it doesn't matter whether you're the custodian or the superintendent. Everybody has a great look on it and, and they could see something that we never see and could change the entire aspect of what we're doing. So it was that conversation of having that and, and really knowing that somebody who I thought was a giant actually looked at what I was doing and cared about my opinion to just kind of open my eyes to, okay, it's not just my little world. He is a great man because he, he really seeks knowledge in any situation. I think those are the best leaders who, it doesn't matter where you come from. They value what you bring to the table. So that he's opened my eyes to a lot of things. So Taylor, I want to talk about that journey of going from the classroom to your leadership position because you are a director and you said it wasn't until year two that you decided that, yes, you could be a leader as a director. For me, from the outside looking in, it seems that you made a drastic leap in your leadership title. Mm -hmm. So what brought you into leadership? Was it your superintendent who came to you and said, Taylor, I think you should take on this position? Or was it something that internally you sought out and aspired to be a director? I'll be honest. I originally got into leadership because of pride. That's, that's the honest answer. I thought you get in those positions and you go, I'm better than this. I can do more than this, or I'm not being appreciated or whatever it is. 
And, you know, I got to that point, you just tell yourself, like, I deserve to be better. And then I took on a role of, the role was coordinator of academic support. Okay. okay? So, you know, one of those fancy titles that <laughs> isn't as fancy as it sounds, right? But when I took on this role, I'm, as soon as I got it, I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I said I could do this. And how do I, and it's just one of those things that my boss was just like, you got to figure it out. And he let me flounder and he let me. And he would kind of give me little nudges of like, okay, you did this right, but what about this? And really kind of let me figure some things out. And, but then I went on to another district and this is where I really blossomed in the second district. It's, this is when I said year two in this position, because I spent a year in the first position. And then I went to this new, I went to a new school, Talladega and the Talladega, by the way, <laughs> yes. you think of Alabama, it's Talladega. I went to this new school and in my, at the end of my first year, we kind of sat down and had an overview of all we'd done and we looked over everything and it was just like, how did we get all this done in a year? You know, and, and that's when it hit me. So yeah, it, it started out as pride and I got humbled plenty of times. And then when I figured out that just being humble and being a team makes it all the better, that's when things started to flourish. And I really started learning how to be a leader. And Taylor, I want to talk about your director position now because obviously you're you're over a lot of folks. And with that, there's accountability that occurs as the boss. I know a lot of us don't like to be called the boss, but you know we are in that leadership position to help uh, maneuver things for the district. So what is your goal or your process with accountability with your staff members? So for me, accountability is side by side with encouragement. It's, I think it's two of the biggest things you can do because People talk about like toxic positivity. I just call it blind positivity where we focus on the good, but we don't address the bad. So accountability is your, you know, your other side to that. And it's so important to be accountable. So I'll do little things like if I have projects I'm doing, like we had a project we were doing this summer and, you know, I've told them all summer, we've got to have it done by August 1st, got to have it done by August 1st. So every week you're going to get an email, you're going to get a conversation from me and it could get a little old. And, but here's the thing, if you're one that I feel like needs that, I'm going to give that to you because I feel like you need a little extra push. But if you're one that I can see your progress, or you're going to come back to me and say, Hey, I've done this, 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 this. And I can see those things you're doing. I'm going to go, okay, well, just let me know what's next. And if I haven't heard from you in like a week or two, I might ask you, but it just depends on each person. So I have to keep you accountable to our goals because at the end of the day, I have to answer to those goals and we have to do better as a department, but it's also our department. So we have to do this. Never. I need you to do this. It's we need to do this. For instance, last week I had a guy who was struggling with something. And I said, look, tell me where I need to go. I'll get it done. Just tell me what you need me to do. You work on this. I'll do the rest of it. Just give me a list. And I got it. I mean, that's for me, that's part of it. If you want to be the leader, you have to lead by doing so. Somebody's struggling. It's OK that they struggle. It's not OK for us to leave them out there. And that's part of accountability. They're being accountable to themselves to say, Hey, I'm not going to make this. And, and one of the questions I ask in interviews is I ask people, you have a project. Is it better to be perfect and late or good and on time? And the reason I ask that is because I would rather someone come back to me and say, well, I would hope that the department will work together and we could do this and that. That's my ideal answer, right? But I want to see what they're going to say because a lot of people struggle with that question because they don't know what to say. And it's really just about it's not about you. It's about us. Mm -hmm. And so that that's the goal there. I want to see if they're coming back with the goal. And so that's accountability because when you do accountability, right, they keep each other accountable as well. And not only that, but they will help each other because they know when I'm struggling. So um, that that's a big deal for me. It's just we keep each other accountable. That also means we keep each other close to work together. 
Yeah. And Taylor, I know you're obviously in charge of a department, and so you're hiring other leaders for your district. When you're going through the interview process and you're trying to find the best candidate, what are some characteristics that you're looking for? And is there anything within that interview process that you do that may be unique that someone else can take on themselves? Yeah. So for me, when I hire, it's all about the person. So I look at it this way. There are certain things as a person you either know or you don't by the time you get to me. Like you either know how to treat people right or you don't. You either know how to talk to people or you don't. And I understand some people aren't very social. That's not a big deal. Like I get that. But if we can treat each other right and talk right, that's good. I honestly don't want the most knowledgeable person because nine times out of 10, they tend to treat other people like they're not as smart as them. And it makes a clash within the department or within the school. And it just kind of causes conflict that you don't need. I want somebody who is going to treat others well, work as a team, and then willing to learn. Because I can teach you anything you need to know. Anything when it comes to whether you're giving instruction or integrating a tool or whatever it is we're doing, we can teach that. I mean, we have schools full of teachers. We can't teach each other something. But what I can't teach you is how to be a team player. You either have that or you don't. Right. And so that's one of those things I look for. So I ask different, I ask really weird questions in my interviews. <laughs> like I'll ask, tell me about your worst boss or your worst job, because I want to see what they're going to say or if they're going to give me this horrible story. Cause really, honestly, whatever story they give me, it's going to be 10 times worse when they talk about me. Yep. So I know, kind of have an idea of what they're going to say about me when I hire them and how they're going to react with other teachers, you know, same one with the uh, other question I told you, you know, I have, I just have this list of questions and I'll just pick them out for different, whatever job I'm interviewing for, I'll pick out different questions for them. Uh, you know, I have scenarios, you know, if somebody asks you this, what do you do? If your principal has called you to the office, but another teacher asks you for help, what do you do? You know, and my ideal answer is you contact the principal and say, hey, this teacher needs my help. Can I come in a minute? Right. And you help them because any principal worth their salt is going to go, yeah, help that teacher and get here whenever you can. Those things like that to test reaction and spur of the moment stuff, that's 90% of my questions. Because like I said, I don't care about the technical stuff. Right. You, you got to have a certificate to teach. You, you got to have a degree. I mean, all that stuff's already squared away. Right. But how you handle people. All right, here's a good one for you. This is my favorite question. Explain to me how the internet works like I'm five years old. And you think it's a hard question. It's not. I mean, you could go, well, it's like getting a cab to the grocery store. Your home's a computer. The cab's the internet. Takes you out to what you need. You get it from the grocery store. You bring it back home and you see it on your computer. I mean, that's a kid can understand that, right? right? But what that tells me is how are you going to talk to other people? Are you going to get frustrated? Are you going to be able to interpret that? Are you going to be able to talk to your students on their level? I, I say it like this. Are you going to be able to break it down Barney style? Because if Barney can teach it, then we can all learn it, right? Yep. That's, that's why I do stuff like that. I want to test how people interact because that gives me insight into who they are. No, I love those questions. It's definitely layered and I love those priorities. And I definitely think our leaders can take those on themselves. So I want to talk about some projects of yours because you are doing so much different things. <laughs> I feel like you're connected to so many different facets. And one of the things I see a lot on social media with you, Taylor, is be the compass. So will you just share with our listeners what that is and kind of what that project is growing into? So Be the Compass is something I started about three years ago. Actually, Hans Apple kind of pushed me to do it. We, we had been talking about different things, and he was like, you need to start doing videos every week. And, and so basically what Be the Compass is, it's about being the direction and not just for other people, but for yourself, because you can't lead others until you lead yourself, right? 
Yep. So zero in your compass and get yourself going in the right direction. And then once you do that, you can make little course corrections for, you know, each person that you come in contact with. And, and this is one of the reasons why I love middle school kids so much is I felt like if I moved them, you know, an inch to the left or an inch to the right in 10 years, they're going to be a mile apart, you know, and that is just so cool to me to see them come back and go, you know, coach, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And it's just like, I would have never thought you're doing, that. you know, it's just so cool or, the, the best is when they'd come back and go, you were always my favorite coach. Can we do this or whatever? You know, it, it, you know, when you turn around and you haven't coached in 10 years and somebody else coach at you, it's pretty cool. It's yeah. just a pretty cool feeling. So, you know, things like that, but it's about giving them that direction about, you know, not only, and it goes back to that accountability and encouragement, you know, you need people to be accountable for you because we can steer a ship in any direction we want to, but that doesn't mean it's the right direction. There's a reason we have a compass. And so that's what being the compass is about you are being the direction in other people's lives and you're helping them find their direction. And through that, that's why one of my sayings, I have three core sayings. One is take the next step because if we're standing still, we'll never get where we need to go. Two is it's only impossible until we do it. I feel like I live that each and every day with what I've done in my life, but you know, it all seems impossible until you do it and then it becomes routine. Third one is, is we rise together because just like any good crew, when you're following your compass, we all arrive at the destination together. Those are my three core values that I just, I live, try to live by. And, and really that's what Be The Compass is about. It's just moving together, encouraging each other and finding our direction together. No, I love that. And then is it true that there's a, a component that can be translated to the school, like a curriculum of some sort? Yeah. So I'm working on that right now. I'm actually working on a curriculum piece that my buddy, Kevin, with an academic mindset, he does a, he does a piece like this where where it's a curriculum for helping teach, helping teachers get students in the right mindset or helping them find direction. Again, middle school is always my favorite. I mean, I, I always volunteered to do middle school just because my wife says it's because we're on the same brain level, but uh, you know, <laughs> my wife says maturity level, but I think we're in the same. Brain. Yeah. Yeah. That's the same thing. You know, I might know a few more facts, but that's about it. That's about it. I laugh at the same jokes, but you know, it's just, I'm, I want to develop a curriculum that can really help them find their directions. And so that's what I'm working on right now. Something that I'm not just going to take over your curriculum, but something that's going to help enhance it. Just give you little tips and tools for them to do daily. Just something that will, you know, even if it's just a five minute critical thinking or, or a five minute reflection, something that you can do in your class every day that will allow them to do, do a little reflection, find who they are. Because I remember being that middle school kid who had no clue who he was. And I was one of those kids that moved around all the time and I needed that. And it just, it wasn't available back then. So I was a huge uh, SEL kid and, and we just didn't have that stuff. Yep. So that's one of my big deals is SEL. And, and that's why I do these things. It's just to help kids with that. And so I think it's just super important. And but we are developing that. So we can just help kids again, take that next step. You know, maybe not who they're going to be in 10 years, but who they're going to be tomorrow. Yep. You know, just take the next step for tomorrow. Take the next step to make it to lunch. Sometimes kids just needed some encouragement just to get through the day. So that's what it's all about. And that's what we're building right now. And, and hopefully it'll be out in the next year. I'm excited about that. I love that project and your core beliefs there. Another project I want to talk about too, is you're connected with education never dies. So for our listeners who have never heard of that, or maybe they've seen it, but they don't understand what that project's about. What is that group of educators creating? It actually originated just with us getting together to talk about things, just that Maybe we were frustrated with or we wanted to change. Then it developed into a chat every Wednesday at 8.30 Central Time. So we have that chat every Wednesday. And then from there, we were like, well, we want to do more. Let's create a website. So we created a website 
and it's got, you know, if people want to do a blog, they're like, they can submit a blog and we'll put it on the website or they can do put questions. It, it, and, and if we do it to where they can put questions anonymously so they can ask the honest questions, you know, the ones we won't ask in the professional development, then we'll respond with them honestly. We'll tell them. And, and that might be one of my flaws is I'm way too honest for our profession. You know, I found that it's very freeing for a lot of people. It's freeing for me. It's freeing for a lot of people to know, hey, I'm not alone and I'm not the only one that feels this way. So yep. we we do that. We we get honest about it and we answer those questions honestly. And we also have an after hours boxer that after our chat, you go to the boxer and what we do is that's our place. It's like our secret hideout. Whatever you say there stays there and you can express your frustrations or you can share with other staff members how to do things, you know, and we have people from Canada, Hawaii, all over the U.S., some in other countries. It's just, it's crazy the amount of people that we have contributing every week. And it's just so cool to see the educators go, well, I use this for this lesson, or I use that, or, you know, hey, I'm frustrated with this. And somebody else comes in and says, well, what if you tried this? And it really, and it's a mixture from, you know, special education teachers to AP teachers to admins to central office staff, and you get all these different perspectives that people never thought about and it's just really cool to see that and and I love it personally because you know I miss being in schools a lot of times I, I have an office but I never go to it because I mean it's just not where the action is right yeah so it helps me remember a lot of what it's like and a lot of what it's like to be in a school and be around kids and I'll go hold up in a in a classroom during the day and just talk to people or walk through a school and high five some kids just to feel connected. It's just one of those things. So that's what we try to do. We try to stay connected and try to help teachers stay connected. And it's actually cool. This week we're doing it on connecting the students without being physically connected. Nice. So how do we connect in a virtual world? So that's going to be ours this week. But we also started this thing called Pardon My Positivity. And so it kind of started as a thing where for me, I've always been one, you know, like I said, I used to be a very negative person, focus on all the negative stuff and and then my life just began to change a little bit at a time. And I found that when I focused on the positive, my life was just so much happier, so much more enjoyable. And I found that things went better just because, you know, yeah, there's tons of things and negative we can focus on, but the positive just takes us so many more places. And I really found that my impact changed on students, on staff, on parents, just when I changed, because the way I approached things was hundred percent different and it affected my leadership style. It affected everything I did. And, and, and so with that, we always had this joke to have one day, she said something in her chat and she said, well, pardon my French. I forget who even said it, but somebody would just say, well, pardon my positivity. <laughs> and uh, we were like, oh, we need to, we need to do something with that. And so we made cards for each other and then people started wanting cards. And, and so we make, anybody that wants a card, we'll make you a card. If you want one, ask Che Chaney, myself, Santiago Meza, we'll make you one. I promise. Cause uh, we love seeing them out there and, I mean, I think we have a couple of hundred people that have cards now. And it's it's so cool to see them. When you put it out there, you tag somebody, and all of a sudden this will be this huge list of just these cards popping up all over the place. And I love making them for people, honestly. I made two uh, last weekend. And they'll just say, you know, we ask, you know, what's something you really like and what's some colors you want? And we'll just make something. It's so cool. Some people have multiple cards. It's just I made one for Carl last week, Carl O'Leary. I had a secret spy of mine send me a picture of him in a river with rubber duckies. <laughs> and so I made one with him sitting in the middle of the rubber duckies, you know, doing part of my positivity and sent it to him just as a, Hey man, thinking of you. And he just, he thought it was hilarious. So just that, that brings so much joy to our lives. And that's the other thing about positivity, man. 
you get as much as you give. Yep. You give that positivity out, you get it back, man. And negativity works the same way. If you're going to give negativity, it's going to come back on you. So, you know, things I try to focus on when people come to me with negativity, I'm just like, okay, I understand. And then I immediately switch to a positive statement. Mm -hmm. And if I do that five or six times, they're just going to be like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to talk to you. (laughs) Or they're going to be positive. One of the two, you know, but for me, I refuse to give into the negative because again, there's so much of it. The world can never have enough positivity. So that's one thing we try to share is just, you know, pardon my positivity and the world is full of negativity. You're just going to have to get over it because we're going to stay positive. We're going to look on the bright side and We've got an amazing group of educators that are just so wonderful and, and keep such a good mindset. It's it's inspiration to be around. It's definitely a group of rock stars, including you, Taylor. And I just love the positivity component, especially where we are right now with, with COVID and, and things changing on a dime every single day. I think everyone could definitely use a huge dose of positivity. I want to try something new with you, Taylor. I've never done this on a podcast, but um, okay. I'm going to let you be my guinea pig. Usually at the end of an interview, I ask for a tip or trick for aspiring leaders. And I'm going to change it just a little bit to an aspire action step. So if there is a aspiring leader out there, or maybe one that's a veteran leader, and they can do something tomorrow to benefit their leadership journey, is there anything that you would suggest? I think the most important thing is to get a mentor you can be honest with. So, and when I say that, I don't mean the group of teachers you can gossip with in the corner, because we all know that happens. That's not what I mean. I have a philosophy when it comes to complaining. Okay. And I learned this in the military. You complain up, you don't complain sideways. You don't complain down because the minute I complain to my people, that gives them free license to complain to everybody else. And the minute I complain to everybody beside me, that gives them free license to complain back to me. So I complain up to my superior, but at the same time, I can't complain all the time because then I'm just a complainer. So what you need is someone you're close to who you can be honest with, but who will also tell you you're just being a complainer. You know, you just need to get over it and you're losing yourself in the moment and you, you just need to get a grip. And I, ha- I have people that do that for me. I have two, not including my wife. My wife's the best at it, by the way. I uh, know <laughs> uh, she really is wonderful. She'll let me go and then she'll be like, all right, you need to cut it off. But I have two wonderful mentors of mine who I also talk to and they give me great, great advice. You know, you just need somebody like that that's going to not BS you and you cannot be afraid of the honesty because these people only want to make you better. If you find true mentors who care about you, their feedback is to make you better. It's not to hurt your feelings. And so you've got to take that look at yourself and go, what am I doing wrong that I'm offended by this? And that's what it is. If I'm offended by something they're trying to help me with, then I'm doing something wrong in that. And so it's done nothing but grow. I mean, honestly, I've learned to be more silent and in meetings, I just don't say anything unless somebody asks me something because you learn way more from listening than you do from talking in the meeting. And, you know, when it comes to our people, I've learned to value what they say instead of valuing what I'm giving them. What they are telling me is way more than anything I could tell them because they're the front lines. They, they are the subject matter experts. They see these things every day. So if I can value what they're saying and take that in and then make an adjustment. So when we have something, cause so many leaders do this, they go, all right, we're going to switch this curriculum and we're going to make it this. And then we're going to move over to this platform. All right, let's go tell the teachers. And that doesn't work because the teachers are the ones teaching it. So they've got to be a part of that process to say, I I don't see that happening in my classroom or my students wouldn't like this or that. And then we make those decisions. So definitely get a mentor that's going to be honest 
So I got to be honest, uplifting, and you got to be open. Those are my three things. So Taylor, for our listeners who are not connected with you yet, but they should be, how can they connect with you on social media? So on Twitter, I am at Taylor underscore does underscore it. And that's kind of a play on words because in schools, you know, we kind of do everything. So I, I just like, well, if it needs to be done, I'll do it right. <laughs> so uh, that's that's why I did that one. And then on Instagram, I'm B underscore the underscore compass. And we probably know why that one's that way. Definitely connect with Taylor. He is a wealth of information. I am so blessed to have you a part of my PLN. I truly say that not because you're on the podcast, because you make me a better leader. And I appreciate you, Taylor, um, in every single way on social media. And then, of course, our Boxer group. So everyone check Taylor out on social media. Connect with him. He is a phenomenal leader. And Taylor, thank you so much for being on the Aspire podcast. Man, thank you. And to anybody out there, you know, if you, th- if you need help with anything, don't be afraid to ask. That's what we're all here for. We want to help. We want to grow. Nobody's too big to help you. So I say that for me. I say that for any of us. If you need help, ask. We're here for them. Definitely.